Aloha and welcome to Spiritual Journey with Hawaii Psychic Geraldine St. Joseph. Happy Halloween, everybody, and happy Sunday. Hopefully everybody's got a bright, shiny, sunny day today so you can go trick-or-treating, although I do hear some nasty counties made the kids go trick-or-treating Friday or Saturday, which is, you know, totally opposite the point. Are they going to change the day that Christmas falls on, too, so that we have to celebrate it on a weekend? I don't know, but I don't like these things. Anyway, in celebration of today's date, which is Halloween, and also because it just flows right into what we've been discussing, today our talk is about vampires. And we're going to discuss vampires on several different levels. So it may be stuff that you've heard before, maybe stuff that you haven't. Vampires gain, I want to say acceptance or notoriety or become popular at different times, points in time. And they have morphed over the years. Originally, vampires were a scary thing, something you had to be afraid of and something you watched out for and protected yourself from and you knew all the rules. And then came Anne Rice and the phenomenon of the Vampire Chronicles and Interview with Vampire, the Vampire Lestat, where vampires became more full-bodied people. They became very full characters with backgrounds and feelings and motivations. And in that series of books, and I, I have to admit, Anne Rice is probably one of my favorite authors. I greatly, greatly admire her writing style, uh, especially with her, her first books in those series specifically, where she was questioning, what is a soul? What does it mean? How does it survive? And what does it mean to be who you are? Finding your existence, finding that in-between place, figuring out what good really is. And is it possible to satiate your needs and still be a good person? and still find find salvation. Now, <clears throat> her vampires, some were just wholly evil. I mean, you could tell by the character that they had no conscience. Um, what was interesting is some for her vampires, especially uh, Armand, I think his name was, he was turned when he was 17 years old, and she described him as having... Um, cherubic features and he was very innocent looking and very beautiful and most of the vampires were very beautiful but that he looked so opposite to what he was there was also the question when the, the child vampire was created I'm sorry I don't remember her name because I, I read these a long time ago um, that she was under seven and so still had not formulated um, the difference between right and wrong and how to discern. She hadn't learned that discernment yet because she was too young. So what was that going to create? What kind of monster was that going to create? And was she responsible for what she became? Or were her creators responsible for what she became? A lot of these questions ran through the book series, and I found the series fascinating because of it, because there were so many undertones of what if and what is and how does that work and it really made you think and question and look at your own motivations. 
that is the mark of a truly great writer, and that is the mark of a truly great book. Uh, books like the Harry Potter series do the same thing, looking at good and evil. And speaking of Harry Potter, let's look at some of the main characters in that book. Now, um, the the hero, of course, is, is Harry Potter and his friends, and they they are the epitome of courage and uh, good action. But they have they are full characters. They have flaws. They go through moments where there's a loss of faith. They go through times where they really question each other, and they question each other's um, love for one another. And they question the grand scheme of things and what is going on and, and how are we supposed to know what direction to take. And, oh, oh Voldemort. For a second, I couldn't remember his name. I can't believe it. Um, the, the Voldemort character is very vampire-like, not in necessarily the way he looks, although when they depicted him in, in the film, he did look like Nosferatu. But in the fact that he feeds off the energies of others. He has to have, in order for him to survive, especially in the early books, he had to literally join physically with another character in order to survive. He had to feed off that person's energy. And the way he did it was to um, gain acceptance from that character and, and full subservience. And a vampire does this through at first charm and seductiveness and eventually through fear. There are so many characteristics of the vampire that we see in everyday life. The thing that is disturbing in our culture right now is that the idea of vampire is becoming more and more seductive to people and more and more accepted that this is okay, that this is a state of being that is okay, and that uh, it's all right to to love a vampire and to to do all this. Like with the, the Twilight series, and I know I'm probably going to get a lot of nasty letters about this one, but to me, if you look at those characters and um, you look at the, the vampire character and the werewolf character, and then you look at Bella... Bella is the frail female. She is. She has a little bit of strength, some intelligence, but not not so much. She has very poor self-esteem, and and it's all about being only being whole if she has that love relationship there. I mean, as soon as um, oh, what is the vampire's name in Twilight, Dale? Vampire's name in Twilight. As soon as Edward leaves, he abandons her and then she goes into her, oh, angst, she cannot survive because Edward's not there. She loses a piece of her personality because she doesn't really have a personality of her own. And then she jumps right in with the werewolf character. And not that she completely gives herself over to him, but she definitely finds part of her personality there and starts latching onto him. In a sense, at that point, she has already become a vampire because she already has this codependence where she needs somebody else's energy in order to define who she is. She already needs, uh, probably from the very beginning of the book, she's not well-defined to begin with. She, she's lost and floundering, 
and finds a stronger character to control her and give her life meaning. This is something in our society that we see all the time. How many young people do you see and older people who do not know who they are unless they are in relationship? That is a scary premise. They are not complete. They are not whole. They are not connected. And that is a huge, huge problem with our society. Now, the vampire becoming more accepted is scary because what is the vampire? It's about seduction. It's about giving up your free will. It's about um, a soulless being having to live off of you and steal part of who you are in order to survive. It's about inviting in this type of abuse and if you were to take the vampire part out of it and, and look at some of these stories and take out the um, the fantasy part of it or the the extra level of disguise that's over it, and you look specifically at what's going on, I mean, look at Bella. She tries to commit suicide. She's, what, 16, 17 years old, and she's trying to kill herself because some guy left. Really? Is this what you want your daughters to think that love is about? Is this the way you want them to be treated by a man? Whether he's saying he's doing it for her own good or whatever the the thing is, there's never a good reason to be that cruel. There's never a good reason to do that whole abandonment thing and not explain yourself and not be on equal terms with your partner. A true relationship, a true marriage, a true friendship is on equal ground. Generally, yes, there is somebody. There are natural leaders all the time, but there's a difference between a natural leader and a bully. When there's a natural leader, it's more about trusting someone who has maybe more information than you do rather than putting all your faith in someone who may not be smarter than you and who may not have more information than you and you're just giving them all your trust and and all you throwing everything behind them because well, they're going to leave if you don't, or they're very threatening, or it's a scary situation. Vampires, in a lot of the literature, they need to be invited in. They need to be welcomed in. And metaphysically, it's very similar, where there's got to be something that invites them in. Whether it be specifically an invitation or whether it be drinking heavily, doing drugs, doing anything that opens you up. When you, for instance, if you're walking around the streets naked and someone fondles you or grabs you for some reason, you basically were inviting it in. You can't really complain because you walked out in the open, you were completely bearing yourself, and it's an invitation. You can say, well, that's not really an invitation, but it is. So it's the same type of thing. You don't have to, it does not have to be a conscious invitation. It can be a subconscious invitation. The idea of vampires have, has been around for 
as long as people have been around. The thing with vampires is that it's not always been called that. And we look at the, the old films with Bela Lugosi where the vampires were very suave and beautiful and um, very charming. If you go further back, you'll see that the vampires, like in some of those movies, at one moment they will be beautiful and at the next moment they will be ugly because they have these their true selves hidden behind a facade. They need to be beautiful in order to be welcomed in, in order to be invited. Then you have the true nature comes out when they've got you where they want you and you're a little bit stunned and the next thing you know, you become a vampire also. Metaphysically, there's a process that takes place and it can happen to anybody. I don't care how well protected you think you are. You need to be consciously aware at all times of where your energy is going and what's happening with it. You need to really create a better awareness for yourself. And I always say, to um, one should pray every evening and every morning, if you can remember, in order to gather your strength and maintain your strength. Having good self-esteem is a very good defense because you're not leaving big gaping holes for these vampires to come in and and reach through. In metaphysics, it's taken to another level. Now we're going to shift a little bit. All right, so vampire can be a physical thing. It can be a physical being or a non-physical being. It can be an entity that actually comes and steals um, actual physical blood, which I don't really see that happening, but there have been serial killers who do that. So that would count in my eyes whether they're indestructible or not. And the other would be an entity that comes and steals your prana or steals your, your life force. Then there's humans who do this, who are narcissistic or abusive, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually abusive. And usually there are many times that I've seen that the people who are actually the perpetrators when they talk about their past relationships, they'll say every single one of their past relationships was emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually abusive to them, when actually they're doing it to the other person. The first one, vampires create vampires. So the first one could have been what was an actual abusive relationship. And then they picked up this energetic, and now they're duplicating it. And they're forcing it onto other people. And they always play the victim. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else did this and oh, woe is me and poor me. And how could you, how could you accuse me of that? How could you say that I did this or that and blah, blah, blah. And they're very dramatic. The other thing is that oftentimes there's an entity attached to that. And mind you, I'm going to do a disclaimer here real quick. I am not a psychologist. I am not, I'm a minister, but I'm not a priest or anything like that. I do have a wide breadth of experience with many, many different metaphysical modalities. These are things that I have 
learned over time or I have picked up through experience. It is not something I've, I've been taught necessarily. And it's, it's also, these are my personal opinions and things that I have put together looking at the world from the angle that I get to look at it, which is a little bit different, dare I say a little bit different, than most people get to look at it. I get to see oftentimes a, a broader perspective or a bigger picture um, because I am dealing with dealing with souls and walking between two worlds. So I'm being given information at this time in order to give it to you so that then you could take in the information, take in, feel in your solar plexus what feels right, what feels true, what is real, and then take what you're learning and utilize it. Get rid of the vampires in your life. There are some people who just their energetic is just draining, and it's really hard for anybody to be near them. And it's not necessarily a conscious thing. It's not like like they go around saying they're going to be this way. It's just that just merely being in their presence drains you. And we all know people like that. Just standing next to them in the subway could leave you exhausted for hours. And it's because their aura is like a, a black hole and it just sucks in the energy of others. <clears throat> if they become aware of what's happening, they can use that to their benefit because basically what they do is they weaken their opponent <clears throat> and then people without a lot of life force <clears throat> are much easier to control and much easier to tell them what they think and um, just plant those seeds and control them in that way so the person really believes that they're acting on their own free will when they actually don't have any free will. And it's really sad to watch um, when people allow themselves to, to get into these situations because they don't acknowledge it when it first starts happening. Um, and I recently was in a situation where <clears throat> a loved one was being attacked and attached to by a vampiric um, entity through this person. And they would bring it home to me, and I was not fully aware. I mean, I'm looking back, there were times where there were hints, but I wasn't focused on that at that time. But I knew every time my loved one would come near me, it would completely drain my daughter and I of all energy, where we would literally start to fall asleep just from being around him. And it was really scary. So it's a matter of then you have to get these people out of your life and how do you do that? Because, as I said, oftentimes they start with the seduction. Once they've got you in, then they start getting mean and then they control through fear. And they do things like they will threaten to do things to themselves or there's always the potential that they're going to bring harm upon you, whether it be energetic or physical. It's always easiest as soon as you realize what is going on to pull away at the very beginning. The deeper you let them get in, the more they're, we talked about energy cords before, but they're more like hooks when it comes to these people. They have hooks in there and they will spiral up your major your major energy centers and um, it is kind of scary. So, bigger picture worldview. Metaphysically, the stronger of these beings, we call them soul eaters, they can energetically uh, give someone a heart attack, just like when you're, you're dealing with a possession. That two entities cannot occupy the same body. 
and they will fight over it. But what they do is they deplete all the energetic stores in the cells and they, the person will end up having a stroke or a heart failure is most common. The same thing can happen with these soul eaters. If you're around these soul eaters too long without a respite and they are pulling, it does create a physical... Um, there is a physical manifestation where then you you look at them, they become drained, they'll look drawn, they'll look pale, or they may gain a lot of weight. It, it depends on the person. But there will be physical changes in appearance, but the most, probably the most telling change or the most, um, when you look in their eyes, the spark starts to go out. That's a huge sign that um, when you look in the mirror, if your spark is missing, you need to look around and see what are you doing? Where is your energy going? Why is it not there? Some of these soul eaters, and I think that the name is very apt because what what happens is they come in, they're very dynamic, and oftentimes what they do is they change your they look for your weaknesses, they change perspective on the world, they force on you their belief system, which often hides itself as a a faith system, fundamentalist Christian, fundamentalist anything, but you have to believe what they believe. Once they start bringing in the hate doctrines, once they start talking, um, for instance, I mean, I always bring up the, the Christian and the the Christ face, because that is what I'm most familiar with. I was raised Catholic, and I have followed um, Christ. I'm not going to say I'm a Christian because it's got bad undertones anymore. Um, people, when they think of Christians, they think of fundamentalists and people who don't listen and who are narrow-minded. And that's not not where it is. It's following Christ's lessons. So that's what I'm familiar with, so that's where I'm going to go. You can apply it to any major religion, any faith system, anything where people tell you this is the only way. That's wrong. God said that he sent a prophet and teachers to every time, to every place on earth. And if you look at the teachings, the real basis of the teachings, the morality teachings, the ethics, it's all the same. And if we were to follow those teachings, then we would be following the way. Then we would be going where we needed to go. So what these soul eaters do is they come in, they're usually hyper whatever. And they will pull, first they'll start by talking to you as if they're in the same place as you are. Or just start making you question what you're what you're thinking of, but it's not questioned in a good way. It's more like you know a, a fear based. That's the difference. When it's Christ based, it's very compassionate and it's very loving. When it's someone who's trying to pull you out of that energy, it's always fear based. Like oh well, you can't talk to them because you're going to go to hell. Okay, wrong. There are certain people you don't want to hang out with and you don't want to pick up their behaviors because it's definitely bad. However, Jesus hung out with the the people, everybody else. Why are you talking to them? He spoke to them because they were the ones who needed help. So if you are solid in who you are 
and you are a good, ethical, kind, moral person, and you live in your integrity, it's almost your job. And I'm not saying go out to the gangs or drug dealers and start talking to them about Jesus or anything like that. But what I'm saying is you are you're an example. Live your life like you're an example. And my mom used to tell me live every day like what you do today is going to be on the front page of tomorrow's newspaper. And if there's anything that you don't want other people to see that you would be ashamed of, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. So that's my philosophy. My philosophy is no secrets. And it doesn't mean, oh, you don't, you know, you give everybody your home address and your personal email. It just means that if there's a question about it, then maybe you should question it. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's a reason why you're feeling uncomfortable about, you know, hanging out with that married guy because, you know, He's having problems in his marriage. You're not really helping him. You really like him. You would like to to have something more. And then if something more happens, that means his relationship is destroyed. Maybe when you're talking to him, you need to not listen to him moan about his marriage. Maybe you need to redirect him into looking at, well, what made you decide to get married in the first place? And what were the things that attracted you to one another? And be more uplifting as opposed to tearing things down. Okay, so that being said, totally different, bigger picture. These soul eaters, what they do is they come in and they will pull people away from their real faith and warp it, um, such as someone coming in who's um, maybe moderate Christian gets involved with somebody who seems very faithful, like, oh, they call themselves a true believer and They've found Christ and they've been saved and oh, how wonderful their life is and everything is great. But look at their life. Look at what they've done and what their actions are. Now, if this person, when they're talking to you, say you're in a relationship, they're talking to you, they try to bring up everything bad in your relationship and they tell you you're a sinner because of either the type of person you're with or because of the type of relationship you're in or, you know, maybe you are a homosexual or something like that, and they're telling you you're evil because of this, and they make you feel bad. Then you start feeling drained, and what they do is they build you up, they'll feed you energy, and then they take it back, and that's part of the whole vampire mythology also, is that in order to become a vampire, they take and then they give. So they're running their energy through you, and then you become a piece of them. And then there's that energetic cord that's created, which for vampiric is more like a hook where they can you become more malleable because they figure out where your soft spots are and they keep poking them and you become weaker and weaker because if they're smart and they often are they will pull out just enough energy to leave you in this state where you you feel okay but something's not right but you're not not sick enough that you would want to go to the doctor but not feeling good enough to be able to do everything that you know you should be doing or you need to be doing so that then you still have this guilt and they play off of feelings of guilt and fear and pain and shame they also create scenarios where you are prompted to do things that are lacking in integrity, or very shameful, and then they hold it against you. They pressure you to do it, and then they throw it on you that you shouldn't have done that. 
So be very aware of this. These are, if you're looking at it from a, a Christian perspective or from a biblical perspective, these are the Pharisees of the old days where they are there, they're all about their power, they're all about feeding themselves, and they're all about controlling the masses. If you look at it as devil versus angels, they are the Satans, or they're the, the workers for Satan. They're the ones who are drumming up these souls because now you find yourself doing things that are out of character. You find yourself in situations where you're losing friends, you're losing family members, you don't have the relationships you used to, and it's all because of these vampires, these energetic vampires, these physical vampires. They steal your time, they steal your energy, they steal your attention, and they steal your free will. So, remember, one of the keys is they need to be invited. Did you hear that? They need to be invited. When they call and ask you to go for coffee at Starbucks and you go and you start a relationship with them knowing that that's the wrong thing to do and you feel it deep in the pit of your stomach, that is the wrong thing to do. You need to stand up, grow a little, and say no. If you already made that mistake, if you already met them at Starbucks and fell into their trap and then started, you know, you've already been listening to them on the phone or talking to them on Facebook or doing whatever, um, where they start the relationship where it's just they, they start needling in little by little by little, however it is that they pick you up at the grocery store, at the book club, at Borders, at Whole Foods, you never know where you're going to find them. But when you start feeling that little niggling resistance in the back of your heart and your solar plexus starts hardening up when you think about them or when you go to them, you know you're getting a danger signal. There's something wrong here. You need to stand up and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I won't. When someone asks you to do something that you know is morally wrong, that you know is lacking in your integrity. When somebody is trying to make other people believe that you are someone that you're not. Um, I had a friend who was a very compassionate person, very loving, lots of integrity, got involved with one of these soul eaters and started posting all this hateful stuff on his, uh, well, actually the soul eaters started doing it in public, like posting as if he were saying these things. So you need to be careful of that. Then what they're doing is they're making it look like you're the hate. You're the hateful person. Someone starts doing that, you need to delete it immediately if it's something that's like um, on a public page or something like that because you don't want people to see who's going in that direction. Then all of a sudden you find yourself having to defend yourself, things start turning, and it's very easy to fall into these things. As soon as Christ's message turns into a hateful message, it's not his message anymore. As soon as it starts being anti-gay, 
anti-people, as soon as it becomes hateful and hurtful, it's not coming from Christ anymore. The Christ is about pure, unconditional love. It's about compassion. It's about living every day with love in your heart and looking at people with compassion, trying to see their point of view. The other thing that happens um, with these these vampires, as they become more and more accepted in our literature, we will see it happening more and more in our lives. So do you really want to fantasize about a man who's going to come into your life and just take over and control every part of your life who you have to worry about becoming violent and possibly killing you? Really? Really? This is romance? I don't think so. Is that really what you want? You really, I understand the need and the want to be able to fully rely on someone and just relax back into somebody else's arms when you're tired. But that's different than having somebody control everything you do and say. So, going back on the Twilight Kick, this is my question. I only read the first two books because by the end of the second book, I just wanted to gore my eyes out and like, kill myself because it was just that bad of a book. But anyway, I, I know I'm going to get letters on that one. What I didn't understand in that book was at the end, and for anybody who didn't read it, I'm going to ruin it for you, so don't listen for the next five seconds. At the end, of the, I mean, Bella is talking about giving up her soul to this boy, giving her entire identity to this boy, giving up her life. Literally, her father, her family, her friends, everything that she loved, she's going to give up to this boy. Number one, anybody who's asking you to make that kind of a sacrifice, unless you're coming from a very abusive place where, um, you know, you're in a nest of drug dealers and, and you're being sold for your flesh or something, there's... You don't do that. You don't cut off your family. You don't abandon your children. You don't do that. That's lacking in integrity. And anybody who's going to ask you to, to lack integrity like that and to show that level of disrespect does not deserve the time of day, let alone your love and your soul. So she's ready and willing to give up her soul for this boy. She's going to give up her whole life for this boy. And he says, well, fine, then marry me. And she hesitates. What? <laughs> so giving up your soul is not that big a deal, but getting married is that much of a commitment that so much more than giving up your soul and being eternally damned. Okay, that didn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. So um, basically the, the other thing that you need to be forewarned about is these vampires, especially the soul eater types, what they do is they will set you up, they'll suck you dry, and while they're sucking you dry, as they're getting towards the end of your energy, they will look for someone else. Um, giving an example, a person who is married multiple times, say they got married five times, they're still in the fifth marriage, they are still married to this person, they haven't been married very long, but apparently the person's running out of energy, immediately they start on the next victim. They're not divorced more than a month before... They need to be married again, whether physically or energetically, but they attach themselves immediately to another person. They are attaching themselves to the next victim 
before the last victim is done. So it's like they don't want to quite kill them, but they want to run them out of energy to the point where they cannot defend themselves at all, and then they jump on the next victim, and then they'll do the same thing. So, like Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. A bad tree cannot have good fruit. So somebody who talks about who wants to judge other people and say that they're living in sin and judge gays and judge everybody else, but, oh, they're the victim, you know them by their fruit. If this is their M.O., if they've been married five or six times, if they leave uh, corpses in their wake and drain the energy of everyone around them, and most people get a very bad feeling when they're around them and don't want to be around them, this is a sign. Do you see yourself in this? Where do you see yourself? And are you doing this to people? Sometimes you can be an energy vampire and not even realize that you're doing it. Are you demanding all the attention? Are you constantly feeling like a victim? Do you constantly need to be around people in order to feel full? These are issues. They're problems. These are not good things. This is not healthy. Ask yourself. Do people get tired right away when I walk in the room? Ask yourself, do I feel full? Am I okay with being by myself? Do I love myself enough to sit in the the room alone with myself, with no music, not watching television, not reading a book, just being alone with me? Do I like the company I keep when I'm alone? And if the answer to that is no, it's something you need to look at. So if you have... Any comments, any questions, or anything to add to this conversation, give us a call. You can email me. You can post on Blog Talk Radio, I believe. And I'm also on Facebook. Today is Halloween. The energetic of today, what I was taught, is that whatever you decide to be for today or whatever intention you put out for today dictates your year. So be powerful, be complete, be loving, be compassionate. Allow yourself to be loved. Be who you are. And if you don't know who that is, it's time to start figuring it out. So I hear you saying, what's our homework? What's our homework? This is your homework. Be aware. Be aware of the people in your life and how they affect you. Take a couple of deep breaths. Close your eyes if you can. And feel the person out. See what they're doing. See where the energy is pulling. See is this healthy? Is it not healthy? If it's not healthy, what can we do to make it healthy? Is it possible or is this somebody who I need to detach from? Is this somebody who needs something else in their life and not me? Just because I love you doesn't mean I want you sitting in the middle of my living room. Look at yourself honestly. Honestly. Stop lying to yourself. Be honest. And look at the way people react to you. Look at the way you leave people. Look at the way you behave. Are you negative all the time? What is your thinking like? What can you do to improve that? 
So your job this week is to be aware. If you really are honest about wanting to be whole, wanting to be connected with God, wanting to have a a true relationship with spirit, then you need to be open and honest with yourself first. Buy a journal. Start writing stuff down. Keep track. If you'd like to contact me for a personal session, my email address is Geraldine, G-E-R-A-L-Y-N, G-E-R-A-L-Y-N, Geraldine, at voiceofspirit.com. That's voiceofspirit.com. And you can check out my website, voiceofspirit.com, psychicinhawaii.com, which is probably the most up-to-date, and gabrielstrumpet.net. We are currently traveling through the United States. We will be hitting the Northeast sometime, probably towards the end of November. I'm hoping to be there in the Philadelphia area by the end of Thanksgiving. We intend to stay probably for the next two or three years. I'm not sure. Spirit hasn't given me uh, a lot of information on that yet, and I know I have to get there before they'll tell me anything. And right now we're in Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama. Next stop is Jacksonville, Florida. So if you'd like a reading or you'd like to talk to me in person, please contact us at Geraldine at voiceofspirit.com. And now with three minutes remaining, I want you to do a simple thing. I want you to sit up, back straight, and just take a couple of deep breaths. Breathe with me. Breathe in. And out. And out. One more time. Now, don't you feel better? I know you do. Make every moment count. We ask that our lives be filled with abundance of all good things and that our eyes be opened to who we are and what we need and how we can best serve. (coughs) Sorry. Go on your day. Have a good Halloween. And tonight, think about where you want to be this time next year. Think about the kind of people you want to surround yourself with and think about the kind of person you are meant to be. What is your potential? Are you a leader? Are you a support system? Where do you fit in this big jigsaw puzzle? And remember, before we meet next week, do your homework. Be aware. Pay attention. Start living in the now and know what's going on around you. It makes it easier as time goes on. So that's my wrap-up on vampires. Not sure what we're going to do next week or even if I'm going to have a – I should have my computer back by next week. 
I've been relying on the kindness of strangers for the last month. But really look around you. Who did you invite in who shouldn't be there? You can always retract that invitation. You can always say, no, no, you're not invited anymore. We're going we're gonna to let that go. And remember, it can hit you on many levels. It could be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. You need to decide where you stand. You need to figure out who you are. You need to maintain your free will. And when you see yourself doing things, when the people around you are saying to you, oh, you're just not yourself, I don't understand what happened to you, and it's because you have taken a fall, you've taken a spill, you've disconnected, and it's because you're acting out of character in an unethical way, lacking in integrity. That's when you need to look and say, I need to make changes. Because you never know when your time is going to come, when you're going to have to look at your life story and judge it for yourself. And at that point, you have to be honest. You have no choice. This is Hawaii Psychic Journal in St. Joseph, signing off. Blessings. <laughs>